Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Matthew chapter 6. I began a series, it's going to be a short series last week, entitled Kingdom Builders. It's something that's become a staple, a, a DNA, a, uh, a very vital part of what God does through this church family, Kingdom Builders. And I want us to share this and grow in this. Uh, my, my subtitle, my theme this year is for Kingdom Builders is You Matter. I believe two of the greatest lies that Satan is telling our generation are these. Two of the greatest lies. What he's trying to whisper to everyone. Number one, he says, you really don't matter. He wants you to think nobody loves you. Nobody cares about you. Nobody knows who you are. That you don't matter. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Do you know why? Because you matter so much. Because you matter so much. Can I give you some good news? Do you know the devil is a lot more afraid of your future than he is your past? Let me, did you hear that? The devil is horrified. That you'll discover who you really are. That you'll really meet Jesus. That your life will begin to walk in the purpose he puts you on this earth to do. You matter. I'm going to tell you, you matter. And the second thing that, that he wants to lie about, not only lying to telling you how to, to undervalue your life, that you don't matter. The devil wants you to think that what you do doesn't matter. It's almost become a mantra of our, of our generation. People say, well, what does it matter? What does one person do? What can one person do? What difference can one person make? Those, that lie is to try to keep you from realizing the purpose God's invested in you. The identity that you have. Look at our culture today. And, and let's don't, I'm not trying to hit the hot buttons and get the big amens and preach to the choir. But, but look at the issues here. Because it's heartbreaking to me. It's, it's not angry. It's heartbreaking to me. That people are mutilating their bodies to try to change their gender. To try to discover who they are. That person is a searching person. That's not a person that needs to be hated or cast down on. Or rejected or treated like a leper. That's somebody so desperate to find identity. That they go to radical extremes. And you know what I believe? I believe the devil's whispering in people's ear. You don't matter. What you do doesn't matter. Your life's so fragmented and broken. You have to make these radical choices. And anything that encourages someone to do that, what that is, that's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. It's, a re- it's something that, that's hard to go back on. So what we need to understand as the body of Christ, the family of God, a faith community, a, a church family, a home, is simply this, that your life matters, that, that you are significant, that, that God watched you, created you. There have been some people who've undervalued you in life. There have been people who've abused you. There have been people who've taken advantage of you. There are people who've lied to you and broken vows to you. There are people who've betrayed your trust. But just because a man or a woman has violated the dignity of your life does not mean for a moment that God has ever given up on you or given up on your purpose or walked away from you or been ashamed of you or afraid of you. He's able to take you right where you are. See, God wants you to know you matter, and what you do matters. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, just a a quick reminder of of what we're looking. There's some core values here. There's some fundamental truths that I want us to make sure we carry with us as we are in this study. Matthew 6 and verse number 9. Now, I, I would say 
If there's something that Jesus said you should pray, that's pretty important. How many would say amen to that? There's a lot of things we may pray. Now, the Bible says if we ask anything according to his will, what happens? He hears us. So I had a lady come to me one time, and she was nervous and upset. She said, Pastor, what am I going to do? What's going to happen? I, I'm, I'm frightened. I said, well, tell me what, what's got you upset. She said, I prayed and asked God to do something, and I realize now that that's not his plan. I said, you can relax. She said, why? I said, he didn't even hear you. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, the Bible says if you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. And we know that if he hears us, we have the answer to our prayer. So I want to help you. How many, come on, tell the truth. Come on, let's, let's do an honesty checkup on Sunday morning. Are you ready? Ready for honesty checkup? How many of you ever prayed some prayers you're really glad God did not answer? <laughs> Tell the truth. Come on. Haven't we all prayed some really bonehead prayers at times? Have you ever prayed some mad prayers? God, kill every one of them. I got to confess, as a pastor, I was reading through... Uh, through Nehemiah, he got mad at some of the Israelites. He said he plucked out their beards and he hit them and knocked them down. And I read that. I was having trouble with somebody in church at that time. And I said, God, can I do that? And the Holy Spirit said, is your name Nehemiah? I said, no. He said, then don't ask me that again. I said, yes, sir. Come on. We pray some prayers. Come on, haven't you? Come on, tell the truth. It's kind of, I need to get back to my business here, but I'm talking about the power of prayer. It's kind of like this. Did you ever have that person you had a crush on in high school? I mean, you thought they were the, it, you know, the end all, right? And you thought, if, 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 if I could get a date with them, and, and then you thought, if, if, if I could marry them, life would be great. And then you went back to that class reunion, you said, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah, the Lord is good. Thank you, God. Okay, so you understand what I'm saying. (laughs) But there are some prayers, some prayers that are so important. Jesus said, pray this. I want to hear that, don't you? Pray this. You need to pray this. So Matthew 6, verse 9 and 10. This is how. You should pray. I, okay, Lord, help me because we've prayed some crazy prayers. We've all admitted that right now. So let's find out how should I pray, okay? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So when I pray, remember, I'm just kind of laying some foundation, reminding you some things. When I pray, I always pray recognizing God's my source, right? Okay, that's where it begins. And the first thing after I recognize he's the source, this is what he told us to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's where we get this term, kingdom builders. It's not our kingdom. It's not Calvary's kingdom. It's God's kingdom. Now think of that. We actually have a part of that. And he said, as you pray, the first thing you should pray, it frames the other prayers you pray. It gives a directive for the other prayers you pray. You understand that? It it, it sets the course. If I begin my prayer life recognizing God is my source, And understanding that he wants me to pray in a line with this principle. My prayers should always follow this guideline. Let who you are in heaven be seen on this earth. 
Father, my prayer is that your kingdom comes. Not, not, oh, I'm excited about Jesus coming again. Come on, how many excited about that? Anybody planning? I'm planning to go to heaven. Anybody else planning to go to heaven? Now, I'm going to go one way or the other. I'm either going in the rapture or going by the grave. I prefer the rapture. How about you? But if it's the other way, I'm good to go. I'm good either way. I'm, I'm prayed up, you know, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, ready to go. But I got a lot of things I want to do on this earth. How many about you? How many are ready to go? Let me see your hand. How many would rather not be in the next train load going? Okay. So he says, pray your kingdom come. Your will be done on heaven as it is on earth. What does that mean? Listen to me closely. That means God desires to bring his heart to this planet. God desires to bring his love to this place. His grace to this place. His mercy to this earth. God wants you to experience that. Isn't that amazing? But you have to understand, he wants everyone living on this planet to experience that. We have to keep our arms around that church. We live in such a narcissistic society. We live in such a me society. We pull this thing out and we don't take we ease, we take self ease. We don't take they ease, we take self ease. It's all about me. It's all about mine. It's all about what God gave me. Do you know sometimes we even make a decision about where we go to church and if our church is doing well, listen to me, by what happened for me and only what happened for me. Do you know that if you go to a church and everything happens exactly the way you want it to happen, that that church is no bigger than you are? You need to go to a church where there's a God who's bigger than you are. Who stretches you out of you and gets you to begin to see his plan. How many are with me today? That's what we need. And so what we're understanding is this incredible grace that comes to us. We have to understand as the church that it's not just for us. It is to us. Listen to me. But it is through us. So the good news is God's kingdom, his grace, his mercy, his love is for everyone. And the next step of the good news, this is what I'm trying to teach us in this time, is that that's for everyone, his kingdom. <clears throat> God wants to bring that to you, your family, your home, your moment, your situation. But he also wants to bring that through us to the people around us. Are you with me? And, and so that's who we're connected to. That's what we need to understand. I told you last week very quickly, remember, not only does God say he wants to do this for us, he wants to do it through us. How does he do that? Matthew 28, what did he tell him? He told his disciples, he gathered them together. He said, I want you therefore to go. Here it is, Matthew 28. Put that up. I said, I want you to go into all the world and, and make disciples of all nations. Who do we, who do we make disciples? All nations. Do you know God cares about other nations, not just America? I love America. Some people don't like, my, I'm, I'm, I'm patriotic. That bothers some people. Tough. But I love this nation. But I love all the nations of the earth. And so does God. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And then they the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the word of God. So we have a mission. Come on, say mission. We are commissioned and authorized to carry this out. We have such a purpose for our life. But he not only commissioned us, listen to me, go to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. He empowered you to do that. What a life we have. I, I never understand bored Christians. Those two words shouldn't be in the same sentence. 
How many heard what I just said? If you're a bored Christian, you don't know who you are. Because not only are you commissioned and authorized, and look at this, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we're not only commissioned, we're empowered. Someone say empowered. Empowered. The Holy Spirit empowers us to carry out the commission. But I love this. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 with me. And verses 18 through 21. I'm just going to read them all with you here. 1 Corinthians 12. So we're commissioned. Say commissioned. We're empowered. And say we're unique. I love this. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body. How many of them? Every one of them. Not just the the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. Every one of them. Turn to somebody next to you and say, that's you. Come on, help me preach. That's you. All right. God has placed the parts of the body. The body's the church. Every one of them. How? Just as he wanted them to be. Wow. Let's go to the next verse. If they were all one part, where would the body be? See, that's why the church shouldn't look just like me. The church should look like the body of Christ. We're different members, different parts, different races, different generations. If everybody in the church is one thing, you know, so, so, you know, we miss that. The American church misses that. We, we, they even teach young pastors, you just have to target one demographic and reach them and just figure somebody else will get the others. So what if we were all one part? Let's think about that functionally for a moment. What if we're all one part? Okay. So what if this was the church of the eyeball? We're all eyeballs. Now, we could brag if we were foolish and say, we see better than any church in Alabama. We're the church of the eyeball. We don't have 2020 vision. We're 2015 vision. Brother, can we see? That's all we are is big eyeball. So, a meteor falls from the sky. We saw it coming before anybody else did. But we don't have any feet. We saw it coming. But we got smashed. Doesn't sound so good now, does it? Not such a great church, is it? We better realize we need each other. If all were one part, where would the body be? Next verse. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. One more verse. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet. I don't need you. So look at this. We have this incredible kingdom has come to us and revolutionized our lives. And God's chosen us to spread that good news. He commissioned us. He's empowered us. He created us uniquely. And everyone has a role in this. Come on, Ken. Do you get that? Everyone has a role in it. If you've been saved one day, if you've been saved 50 years, if you have a PhD, if you have a GED, If you have the highest income, if you have the lowest income, we all have a part in seeing that this world gets to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why you work where you work. That's why you live where you live. That's why you go to school where you go to school. Because we're salt and light. God places us in these places because we are commissioned, empowered, and uniquely designed. To do something for God. Isn't it amazing? 
to see how God uses us. Now, here's what I want you to see. That what we do matters, but I want you to get this. What we do matters right now. Someone say right now. What we do matters right now. Pastor, why does it matter right now? There have never been more people living on this planet than there are living on this planet right now. I want you to get a sense of how much God trusts you. I want you to get a sense of how valuable your life is. There have never been more people living on this planet than right now. That means there are more people on this planet who don't know Jesus. Listen to what I'm about to say. Than from the coming of Jesus until now added together. There are more unsaved, lost, searching people on this planet at this moment while we're here. Than the total from the cross to this day. It matters right now what we do. How many are with me? There are 16,000 language groups in the world. 6,000 of those have never heard the word Jesus one time. 6,000 language groups have never heard his name. I think we should do something about that. He said, Pastor, what can we do about that? Stay with me. What can we do? Do you know North Yemen, one of the Arabic, Islamic nations, this North Yemen, has double the population of Kentucky. And there are only 20 Christians we know of in that whole place. 20. Millions of people live there. There are places like that all over this planet. But here's what I want you to understand. God trusted you to be born in this moment. God trusted me to be born in this moment. The Bible says... That in our mother's womb, God made a plan for us. None of us in this room are an accident. Your parents may have told you an accident. You're not an accident. You're a blessing. Someone may have told you you're unplanned and unloved, but you were designed by God to breathe air and walk in this moment that you're living in right now. And I want you to understand that. The trust that God has given his church in this moment is the greatest trust that any generation of believers has ever been given. This moment that we're living in. There are more unsafe people in America right now than there have ever been in the history of this nation. Do you understand that? More unsafe. Do you know that America now is due to our population? But we are the third largest nation in the world of unsafe people. This nation we live in right now. America, our country, where we live. We have to do something now. But see, God chose you to live in this moment. God chose Calvary to be a church at this moment. God put us here. You know what I believe? Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. You know what I believe? That God's anointed us for this moment. That God's brought us into this moment. That God has wisdom and he placed us here. What a trust. The the privilege of telling people who Jesus is. The privilege of saying Jesus to someone. The privilege of telling them he loves you, he'll forgive you, he'll change you. It's, It's there. I'll never forget the moment. I've shared it with you before. I was in communist China over a decade ago. I was riding on a public bus of transportation. I was talking to the, the Christian next to me on, on, on a bus in China and, and we were talking about the Lord. And I, and I said something, I said, and the Lord spoke to me. And this young Chinese girl whipped around in her seat. And she looked at me in broken English and says, you talked to God? Stunned. I said, yes, I did. And I said, I'll tell you how. And on the bus, I gave her salvation. We live with a gift that God gives us to give away. How many are thankful we've been trusted with that? Seven billion people on the planet, okay? How do we relate to that number? 
It's, it's almost over our head. I, I, I want you to see something. Brody, can you give me this 60 seconds? I want you to do something we don't ever do in church. I want you to sit here for one minute. During that one minute on this earth that we live in, 120 people just died. 267 babies were just born on this planet that we live in at this moment. You know, not only that, here's what I want you to understand. On this earth right now, there are 2 billion people out of the 7 who are Hindus or Buddhists. When you add the Islamic nations with them, almost half the living souls on earth today or in that, those categories. That means half those 267 babies just born were born in a place where nobody knows the name of Jesus or it's rarely ever spoken. Half the people who left this planet to go into eternity are in those places. You say, Pastor, what can we do? Well, this is what Jesus said, Matthew 9 and verse 35. Jesus said, there's something we do. He says... Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. That's who we are. What did Jesus do? He went. Someone say went. Went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every sickness and disease. What happens when we go, church family? When we're willing to go, when we're willing to think beyond ourselves, think of this. When he saw the crowds... He had compassion. You know what our problem is in the church is that we wait for compassion and then we go. He says, if you go, you'll get the compassion. If you go to the dream centers, yesterday at at Decatur Dream Center, seven people gave their heart to Jesus. Yesterday at Decatur Dream Center, six people were healed and gave testimony of healing at the dream center yesterday. Over 200 families were fed yesterday. Do you know how you're going to get compassion about hungry families when you go feed them and see them? Then the compassion is going to come. Do you know how you get compassion to work with women that are, that are, that are and children caught up in human trafficking? When you connect with somebody doing something about it, your compassion begins to grow in your life. Stay with me. So, so, so Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is what we're talking about. So what do we do? What did he do? He, he, he says this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And what does he say we should do? He says what? We say, well, let's go to this next verse. Harvest labors are few. Here it is. Therefore, do what? Pray. Pray. Let me show you a map of this world right now. Just a piece. Look, look at this. See this rectangle? See this rectangle begins in northern Africa, moves across the Middle East, Includes India and most of China. See that, that rectangle there? 
That's called the 1040 window. Of those almost 3 billion people that don't know the name of Jesus, they live right there. Half the population of this planet lives right there. And many people say, well, what can you do? What can you do? I saw, I saw uh, a true story about a little boy. There's something, in, and it's, it's, it has nothing to do with Alabama and football. But there's this phenomenon called the crimson tide. When the sea urchins, the sea stars are washed up on shore. They can't swim. They just float. And there's hundreds of thousands that happen. And they're laying there dying. And a little boy is walking down the beach, picking them up, throwing them in. Picking them up and throwing them in. And, a, and an adult came to the little boy and said, son, what are you doing? He said, there are hundreds of thousands of these starfish. And, and what difference does it make? You're never going to throw them all in. Why are you doing it? What difference does it make? The little boy had one in his hand. He said to him, it makes all the difference. And we may not change the world, but you can change your world. We may think that what can we do, but that's the devil's lie. That what you do doesn't matter and who you are doesn't matter. But what we're going to do right now is what Jesus said. And right here in the middle of this moment, we're going to pray for that place right there. We're going to pray for where half the world's population lives. The rest of the planet equals that one place. And you go across northern Africa, it's Islamic, it's Arab. They're trapped in Islam. You go to the Middle East, those nations, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Iraq, Kuwait, Iran, uh, Syria, Yemen, Oman. They're trapped there. And then you come across here into India for Hinduism. You come to China and India, Myanmar, Vietnam, Laos, Thailand, Cambodia, Buddhism. Trapped in those places. I've been to almost every one of those countries. Not all of northern Africa, but in Asia, China, in through here, all these places. And I can tell you that there... There's bound without hearing the name of Jesus. Would you pray with me right now? Would you do what Jesus said to do right now? And hope that this will stick with you and you'll do it some more. Stand your hand with me. Come on. Let's believe God. There are billions of people waiting to hear that name right there. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, I begin to pray in agreement with this church family. Let me hear you, church. We pray. That the name of Jesus be released in this 1040 window. Father God, in Western Sahara, in Algeria, in Morocco, Tunisia, in Libya, Niger, Mali, Chad, Egypt, Sudan, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Oman, Iraq, Jordan, Syria, Turkey, Iran, Afghanistan, Tajikistan, Pakistan, India, Nepal, Bhutan, Bangladesh, Myanmar, Vietnam, Laos, Thailand, Cambodia, China, Taiwan, Philippines, Japan, South Korea. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, the mighty name of Jesus would come and be released there. Raise up a mighty church in every one of these nations. Send missionaries, people, gospel into these places. Speak the name of Jesus. Break the strongholds of the enemy. God, I cast down the stronghold of religion and false religion and the demonic principalities that rule that area of our world. God, I pray you break in on them in the name of Jesus release the mighty power of God release the name of Jesus God we pray for them what we do makes a difference God we pray for them in the name of Jesus you say pastor but I'm not going to go but we can send somebody to go there Pastor, I may not ever go, but but I can live it right where I am. How many hear what I'm saying? And here's what I want to focus on as we're looking at this. We have received this. We have been given good news, and we're to give good news. Stay with me, church, because I just don't think we get this taught to us anymore. It's not just that I'll go across the ocean and around the world. What I'm concerned about here is that you'll go across the street and around the corner. That's what I'm concerned about. You may never get there, but you can get somewhere. 
I may never preach there, but I can send someone to preach there. And while I'm here, I can give the good news where I am. I can see what's going on. See, we, we need to understand, can one person really make a difference? That's the whole thing. Can one person make a difference? Let me tell you a quick story. There was a young man in South Korea, a, a young man dying of tuberculosis, dying of tuberculosis. And as he was going through the stages of tuberculosis and dying, some churches had sent missionaries to South Korea. And the daughter of the missionary of our fellowship that we're a part of, well, he, he was there. And his family and his daughter met this young South Korean dying of tuberculosis and led him to Jesus Christ as his Savior. And not only did God save him, God healed him of tuberculosis and put a call on his life. And he went into the slum of Seoul, South Korea, and found a thrown away army tent from the Korean War and set it up in the middle of a slum and began to preach the gospel. A single young man, he was so poor that often he would sleep in the cold condition and cover himself in, 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 in coats and blankets and sleep on the platform of the tent so that when the morning prayer time came, he would be there. That young man, one man won to Christ by one teenage girl when he was dying of tuberculosis built the largest church in the world with 800,000 members his name is Dr. Paul Youngie Cho who is in heaven today but one girl led one boy to Jesus and later 800,000 people came to know the good news of Jesus Christ can one person make a difference you better believe they can I heard a lady's testimony in the last couple of weeks. This lady said, I grew up being uh, bullied and rejected and, 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 and my life was hard and school was hard. It was a grind for me. I was bullied. I was made fun of. People laughed at me all the time. And so I was sitting in one of my classes and some of the worst bullying students were all around me. My life was a torture, she said, every day. And there was a young girl that sat in my class on the other side of the classroom. We had assigned seats and she did every day. I had to go sit by those people who mocked me. But there was somebody watching this. Some girl who didn't know me. Some girl who was popular. Some girl who had friends. And one day that girl went to the teacher and asked her, Would you please allow this girl to come sit by me in this place in the class? And she said, She saved my life. I was going to kill myself. I was planning my suicide. I couldn't live anymore. And one act of kindness, one teenager who said, you come and sit with me. I care about you. I see you. I see what's going on. She said they lost contact over the years, but she found her and reestablished and told her, you asking me to come sit by you and remove me from my tormentor saved my life. One act of kindness. One show of mercy. One realization that God planted me where I am. You may be living in a hard place, a difficult place, a place that's not easy. But I can tell you, God wants to bring his kingdom through you. God wants to make a difference through you. What you do matters. Every act, every word, everything you do matters. And so what do we say? How do I bring this to this moment? This is what I want you to know. You have to remember, God cares about every detail of your life. 
He said he knows the number of hairs on your head. Come on. How many are thankful for that? For some of us men, the count gets less every day. But he knows the number of hairs on your head. He said he knows when the sparrow falls out of his nest. Heaven says he collects your tears in bowls before God in heaven. You matter to God. Every detail of your life matters to God. Do we understand that today? Every detail. So I want to challenge us. If that's true and it is. If we believe that and we do. Then let's trust God and stop just living for ourselves. Let's believe that my life is here for a reason. Let's believe that God wants to do something with us. A pastor in cold northern extreme Siberia tells this account. He said there was a pastor in in another area of Russia who was arrested for preaching the gospel during the Iron Curtain day. And his wife and children were banished to Siberia while dad was languishing in prison. Frozen. If you know Siberia, northern Siberia, freezing cold, horrible place to live. And so there was a night when that pastor's wife and children who were estranged from their imprisoned husband, they literally had eaten every crumb they had to eat. And the children looked at their mom and said, Mom, what are we going to do? Mom, does God know where we are? Is, is he going to answer our prayer? What are we going to do? We're starving. That very night, God spoke to a pastor of a small little Siberian church. He said, I want you to gather all the food you have. I want to take you take everything you have. I want you to go take it to that pastor's wife. He said, God, it's sub-zero outside. I'll have to go hook the horse up to the wagon. And drive through the snow in the night. God, what am I going to do? And on the way back, the wolves, if they, they're out, if they hear us, if they kill the horse, they're going to kill me. This is what he said. God said, I just told you to go. I didn't tell you to come back. Sometimes we won't leave the house till we got the plan to go, the plan to get back, every detail covered. But I believe we serve the God. Who knows how to take care of us. I believe that we serve the God who provided me everything I have. I believe we serve the God who knows the sparrow falls and knows what I need. And clothes the lilies of the field. I believe we serve the God who is looking for somebody who will be used by him. Who will say yes to him. No matter their station in life. No matter what they have or don't have. No matter who they are or don't. They may not be. Our God is just looking for someone that will say God. I want you to use me. God, I realize I matter. I realize I'm significant. I realize my life is strategic. I realize our church is here. It blesses my family. It encourages me. It helps me. But it's not just me. Lord, I want you to use us. Use my blessings. Have we ever thought, why am I so blessed? Why has God done what he's done? Maybe you're more blessed than you think you are right now. Maybe we always focus on what we don't have when we ought to take a moment to thank God for what we do have. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, you've fed me. You've clothed me. You've given me a place to live. You've watched over me. You've made a way. God, I want to make sure that you're using my blessings and my position for your honor. But you've got to understand this. God will use your failure. God will use your pain. 
God will use your brokenness. Because what the devil designed to kill you, when God restores you, when you've got a testimony, God will use your testimony. God will turn the devil's weapon back on him. God will turn the devil's strategy back on him. You may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but you can tell somebody, the Lord was with me. His rod and his staff had comforted me. He prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemy. And you may be walking through the valley, but there's somebody walking with you. I can tell you, I have been there. See, God will use your blessing and God will use your pain. God will use the mountain. God will use the valley. He just wants somebody to say, thank you, Lord. Here's my life. That's what building the kingdom means. That's what kingdom builders is all about. In a couple of weeks, I'm giving you time to pray. We don't use strategy and tactics and, and agendas and emotion. I want you to do what you do by faith. Come on, someone say faith, by prayer and faith. I'm going to ask you, we do it every year in a couple of weeks, to pray and simply say, God, what do you want to do through me and my family over this next year to build dream centers, to get the gospel to the 1040 window? To help America, to help the nations of the earth. God, could you use me? I'm convinced he can use every one of us. And all I'm going to ask you to begin to do now is simply this. Is begin to pray, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to give? I'll ask you to make a pledge that day. Now, here's how that works. It's a faith commitment between you and God. Nobody will ever call you. No one will ever say, well, you did this. Why? Where's this coming? No. In fact, the only reason I ask you, I'll even ask you to put it down. So based off what you say God's going to do, I'm going to make commitments to missionaries for the next year. We're going to plan for the next year. From, from that day forward, that's between you and God. You with me? But I'm going to ask you to pray. What's happened to us since we've done that? We've learned to hear God's voice. There are people in this church that I, I never really prayed about things like that. And God directed me. You know what happens? People began to grow in their faith. You know, pastor, I said yes to God. And God made a way. I had no idea this happened. My income changed. This happened. That happened. I said yes, and God made a way. We've grown spiritually. We've grown in our ability to pray and follow God. And we've become more proactive than reactive to the needs of the world. We have helped human trafficking to end. We've rescued women and children with our partners. We've fed people around the planet with Convoy of Hope. We've sent missionaries all over the world. We, We... we, we've done, God's done amazing things. And you know, there, listen, there, there are seasons of assignment. You know, sometimes God will send a, someone to be a missionary for a while, and there was a season, then, then their ministry goes in another direction. It goes here, it goes there. The seasons, the call never comes off your life, but your assignment changes. And so we have to, see, not only are you important now, let's think about this. The good news is only the good news if it gets there in time. See, if, that, if nobody had sent that missionary family to South Korea and the daughter hadn't told Dr. Cho, who wasn't Dr. Cho then, if he had died before they got there, see, the good news is only good news if it gets there in time. It's an urgency thing. It's what we do. We get to be part of it. Let me show you this. Esther 4, 13 and 14. We looked at this last week. Let's look at this to end today. Esther 4, 13 and 14. Her uncle Mordecai, you know, Esther had gone to this foreign kingdom, Babylon, as a slave, as an orphan. Her cousin, Mordecai, had taken her in. And somehow through the hand of God, this Jewish girl who was of the wrong ethnicity, this Jewish girl who was an orphan, became elevated as the queen of the whole nation. Come on, somebody tell me. Look at God. 
So he says to her, there was a plot going on to kill all the Jews. And he sends her a message. Are you with me? See, just because we're, you know, however you want to say it, just because it's all cool here in North Alabama. You understand what I'm saying? Just because the guards aren't outside that door in North Alabama. Just because the wolves aren't going to track you home today in North Alabama. Just because you and your posse are chilling at church today. Doesn't mean. This is what he said. He said, don't think that because you're in the king's house, you're going to get out of this thing. You understand? Okay, let's go to the next verse. He says, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise from another place. That pounds in my heart. I believe God put this church here for many reasons. But one of those is to give some good news to everybody we can. And I don't want somebody to take my place. Are you with me? I don't want someone to take your place. I don't want God to have put us on this earth and invested his time, energy, and effort in us with a supernatural plan to be that one person that might change the world. Or together we might make that happen. And we sat on it and it went by us. Somebody else did it. I don't want that to happen. He says, you know, if you remain silent. In other words, you know what he said? God's going to be God. But you'll miss your opportunity. It'll arise from another place. You and your family will perish. And who knows? Somebody say, who knows? Who knows? But you came to your royal position for such a time as this. Who knows? See, (laughs) I think about it. All the pain you had to go through to get here today. Then I think about all the miracles God did to get us here today. I think about all the miracles. There's a thousand miracles that got you in this room today. The devil had a thousand plans to destroy you. He sent people against you when you were a child. He put alcohol in your face. He put drugs in your face. He put abuse in your face. He put prejudice in your face. He put rejection in your face. He put depression in your face. Maybe he put, uh, maybe, you, maybe you dealt with some things instead of that on that end. Maybe you felt that you were better than somebody. Maybe you thought you were chosen and blessed and other people is their fault. Maybe you drive by the beggar on the street and think you're just better than them. There are a thousand things the devil did to keep you from being in this moment. To keep you from knowing Jesus like you do. But for every plan the devil had, God had a plan. God had a way. And who knows? And who knows? And who knows? Say, God knows. <laughs> God knows that we brought in the kingdom for such a time as this. I want you to stand with me. I want our worship team to join me. Come on, Calvary family. We're going to pray an important prayer together right now. I'm thankful. How many are thankful the kingdom has come to your life? Has the kingdom come to your house? Has Jesus come to your house? Has good news come to your house? Yes, he has. And I'm so thankful that he trusted us to give that good news to some other people in this world today. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that today. Let's, I want us to pray together. Here's, here's what I want us to pray first. You know, I, this morning early before the sun came up, I sensed the Holy Spirit whisper to me. He said, you know, there's some people today that need to be the seed of a harvest I'm about to bring. People in the house today, it's your opportunity to re-up with Jesus today. I believe God's doing two things in this world, and you're not going to hear it on any of the network news. Listen to your pastor. There's something happening at the grassroots in this nation right now. There are people who've been away from the Lord that are going to come back home to Jesus. There are people who've never given their life. They're getting ready to give their heart to Jesus Christ. There's some in this room right now and some online right now. Now listen to me. I've got to be very clear with you because 
Again, too many things are not being said that are Bible. This gift we've been given to share the gospel, the good news, the kingdom to people, is the ultimate consequence because everyone's going to die someday. And when you do, you have two options where you're going to go. You're going to heaven or you're going to hell. I don't like to talk about hell, but it's a real place. You know, the Bible says hell has enlarged itself. Is that sad? In America, there are 10,000 churches closing every decade. In America, there are fewer churches today than there ever been. Since COVID, more pastors have resigned or left the ministry than the history of the church in America. And while the church is regressing, hell is enlarging itself. There's a correlation. There's a correlation. You understand that God trusts us with the eternity of the people around us. That we get to give them Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you, Andre Crouch sings a song, sang a song, I guess, I guess he still sings it on the A-tracks. He said, if heaven was never promised to me, it's been worth just having the Lord in my life. Can anybody give me a witness on that? That's my testimony. That's my story. If there wasn't a heaven or a hell, I want you to listen to me. If there wasn't a heaven or a hell, if I was like an animal and I died and that was it, I would serve the Lord in this life because of who he is and what he's done. He's changed my life. I'm telling you, that's how real Jesus is. He's not just for the sweet by and by. He's for right now. But there is a moment after you die. And the, way, the thing that decides, do I go to heaven or hell, is that I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. There's no use praying for people after they die. It's too late. All the prayers you'll ever pray for anyone happen now, or it's no use. Are you with me? And so to trust us, my life would have value. Your life has value. If one person goes to heaven because of your life, who Satan tried to take to hell, today is here, I'm here, you're here with me. I want you to know Jesus came and died on the cross. Jesus shed his blood. Jesus paid the price so you don't have to go to hell. So your family doesn't have to worry. So your family doesn't have to come to me and say, where do you think they are? If you have to ask the question, it's really too late. I've been asked that question more than I would like. Today's the day of salvation. That's what the Bible says. Today's the day. What kindness, huh? What mercy that God would give us more than one chance. So I want every head bowed with me today. I want to pray. Because I sense, and if it's one person, hallelujah. There are people standing in the valley of decision today. And your life matters so much to God. And Satan wants to lie and deceive. And maybe you've never given your heart to Christ. Or maybe, now turn the lights a little bit up because I can't see. Maybe you've never, maybe you need to uh, come back to Christ. But I want you to understand, this is your moment. It's not a play moment. It's a big moment. And so heads are bowed. Is every believer quietly praying with me? That nobody misses this holy moment? Do you sense the holiness of this moment? It's because eternity's in the room. Eternity's in this house. Eternity's in your room watching me online right now. 
I really sense the Holy Spirit saying, You're, i got to speak to the next moment. I'm, I'm talking into the future right now. You're watching this podcast. And God ordained a thousand things for you to be in this moment and accept Christ in your life right now. In the room, let's come back to now. Say, Pastor, my heart's pounding. Pastor, I know God's ordained this moment. I don't want to miss it. I want to give my life to Christ. Would you just raise your hand right where you are and say, that's me, Pastor. I don't want to miss it. Come on, I'm going to wait a minute because God's dealing with your hearts. Would you just lift your hand? I'm not asking you, I'll not force you to do anything else, but I want you to make that. Yes, who else? Thank you. Who else? You say, Pastor, that's me. That's me, Pastor. I need to take this moment. I, I need to grab it. I need to come back to Christ. Anyone else? Thank you. There's more. Come, there's more. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? You'd say, this is my moment. All right, I want everybody to pray this prayer out loud with me, after me. Dear Jesus, I come to you today, and I'm so thankful that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you're God's son, and today I repent of all my sins. I ask you to come live in my heart and change me from the inside out. I declare you are my Savior and you are my Lord. Free me from the sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Today I give you my life and I will serve you every day for the rest of my life. And I ask you to use me to tell others what you just did for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord for that today. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.